Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Murch, Michael Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter on this fantastic episode 67. So, on this week's episode, we're going to be talking to you about college basketball, the NFL, obviously, um, tennis, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. That's what we're doing. That, that's an entire list of things that we are going to talk about. Well, see, but now when Kyle and I obviously go off track, we're going to make you look like a fool. Because yeah, you said that's that the entire list of what we're going to talk about. You should say that's the highlights of what we're going to talk about, something like that. It's it's inevitable that we're going to get off track and off topic. So. How many conversations that Kyle and I have stay on topic? Uh, right? Like 20%, maybe. That's, I feel like that's generous. Yeah, that's actually probably pretty accurate. I feel like that's, that's a fair representation. I, of that I'm not thing. good at staying on topic, so. That's fair. Well, we can just like start the episode on a high note and continue on with the first item in the list of highlights that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, which, and that was... which unfortunately isn't much of a highlight. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing about the uh, Cyclone men's basketball team this year stands out as uh, as a highlight. Uh, I would say they're they're bad. The last week I said maybe they're not quite so bad, and maybe they really aren't quite so bad. But this team can't finish. They have trouble finishing, and that's a problem. you got to be able to finish if you're a college basketball team. Well, especially if your coach puts you in a position like to make plays down the stretch and win the game, but you just can't like pull it out and finish the game. You can't just play 30 minutes of a, 38 minutes of a 40-minute game and expect to win. That's not how that works. So. What I've seen from this team, well, let's talk about what happened first, and then I'll talk about what I've seen from this team. First of all, what happened this week is the Cyclones fell to Baylor again for the second time this season. This time it was in Waco. This game was, I think, actually more competitive than the one in Ames. Um, The final score might not have been closer. I don't know about that. But this was a four-point game with about 11 minutes left. So the Cyclones were in this game for a while, but then they sort of fell apart late, which, I mean, I don't blame them for. Baylor is one of the best teams, if not the best team in the nation. So, again, losing in Waco, even if this was a good team and they lost by double digits in Waco, I wouldn't be that upset. So So they they played this game in Ames. Sure. Yes. Yep, because I was getting Snapchats from people at the game. Would, would you like? Because the first time, You're right. the You're first right. time they played Baylor, it was in Waco. So you right. Thank you. You right. You very much right. Yeah, the, the yeah, you right. Anyway. Still, they were sticking around and they lost. Still, yeah, maybe if they're a good team, you got to beat Baylor at home. But anyway. I didn't learn much from the Baylor game. The game that I learned more from was the game on Saturday in Austin against Texas. That one was in Austin. I double-checked that one. Double-checked that one. Um, This game, the Cyclones fell behind early and then came back, and they were leading most of the second half after they came back to take the lead late in the first half. 
And they're up by four. They're up by six with about four minutes to play, up by four with about 2.30 left to play. And they just couldn't couldn't seal the deal, couldn't get it done. I mean, they just, like, didn't – they. They didn't score from like 2:30 to like 15 seconds in the uh, in the uh, left in the game. You, this team, this is what I learned from this team, right? And this is true of the Baylor game, true of the Auburn game. They have trouble at the beginning of the game and at the end of the game, right? They have a tendency to dig themselves holes early, like they did against well Kansas at home, Auburn in uh, on the road, like they did against Texas on the road. And they play really well for like the middle 25 minutes of the game. And then they'll fall apart again down the stretch, like Baylor turning into a blowout, blowing this game against Texas, losing that game against TCU. For some reason, this team starts and finishes poorly, but generally plays pretty well during the middle stretch of that game. I mean, I don't know what could be responsible for that, Kyle. I don't know if you have any more insights into why that's the case, but that's what I've observed. This has been a trend all season. You look back to the to not or to um, like before tournament or conference play. Uh, this happened when we lost to that one really really bad loss that we had. Yeah, that team. What uh, something 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 or other. Uh, Florida A and M. Yeah, I was in the Florida. We lost to them. We kind of blew up against them. The first time we played Seton Hall, we lost it down the stretch late uh, in the Bahamas. Um, When we lost to Michigan, it was a close game most of the way. Couldn't couldn't pull it out at the end of the game against Oregon State. Like every single loss that you go down, like and look at for the Cyclones, besides maybe against Kansas and Iowa so far this season. And Texas Tech, every single game they've had trouble finishing. Like, they've been competitive through the first 25, 26, 27 minutes of the game. And then for just 13 minutes or so, they don't look like they belong on an organized, like, on an organized team in the Big 12 playing Power 5 or Power 6 basketball. Uh in in the NCAA it it just it boggles my mind how they haven't been able to grow up after some of these games um and I think that just goes to show that there's not much leadership at the top juniors and senior wise um I don't it's it's really showing that through his struggles Prentice Nixon is not a great leader uh Michael Jacobson isn't a very vocal leader Solomon Young's pretty quiet so it's really Tyrese Halliburton, but he's a sophomore. How much leadership can you get uh, primarily out of a sophomore who's only been playing and had uh, some success uh, the year before, but not a tremendous amount of success? So it, there's just not enough leadership at the top. And I hope that that's something that can be fixed next season uh, because we might as well forget talking about the end of this season. The only thing that they need to do is grow for next year at this point. Well, uh, plus the Big 12 tournament. There's yeah. always hope in the Big 12 tournament. There is always hope in the Big 12 tournament. They Cyclones always play really play. well in Kansas City. They love to play in Kansas City. So, um, it's But it just boggles my mind, and I think it's just due to the lack of leadership on this team. I, I think that's the only way to put it. it at some point... 
it can't go all on the coach and the coaching staff. It has to go somewhat to some of the players if they just can't finish in big games. If you look back to previous teams, previous years, you look at when the team suffered adversity, uh, players like Naz, Naz Long, George Niang, Monte Morris, um, Melvin Edgem, players like that all had uh, leadership traits that were uh, infectious for the entire team. And when there was adversity, those were the players who got together, got the team like going again and back on track. And I just don't see that with this team. And that was uh, the struggles that we saw two years ago when Lindell Wigington was a freshman. Um, there was kind of a lack of senior leadership uh, because Nick Weiler-Babb uh, was injured uh, during portions of the season. So it was hard for him to give leadership uh, to the team while being injured and not on the court. And Lindell Wigington was not a leader. He was a solo one-on-five, basically, basketball player. And like you've seen that two seasons now when it lacks leadership, this team lacks cohesion. That's basically my analysis and what, what I got. I got distracted halfway through your analysis. Cause you mentioned Solomon young. And all I could think about is that one time we saw Solomon young at two hot and Ames and you were like fangirling for like our entire meal. Oh, but you're right. That's what I was thinking about that entire time. So, but did you, did you get the final point that when this team lacks senior leadership or upperclassmen leadership, they lack cohesion? Yes, I did. I was listening. I just wasn't really. I was just thinking about that. That was a fun time. We got a picture of that moment. We did. Yeah, but not of Solomon Young. Well, he, well, was, he was in the, the background back. of the picture. He wasn't actually, you know, Kyle was too scared to go actually ask him for a picture. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Anyway, up in the next week for the Cyclone men's basketball team, as I frantically look at my phone because I didn't prepare for this, is West Virginia in Morgantown on Wednesday, 6 o'clock on ESPN2, and then Saturday, 7 o'clock on ESPN2 at home against Kansas State. That's a game you got to win. Purple Kansas. Kansas State's bad. They bad. Well, they they currently own the same record as Iowa State. Yeah, but it's at home. You got to win it when it's at home. Yeah. So. Protect Hilton. Yes, win the home games. That's your job. Win that home game. And really, this team's conference record wouldn't be that bad if they just would have not blown that Texas game and that TCU game. You give them those two wins, this team's 4-4 four and four in conference, and this team's in fifth place in the Big 12, which is respectable. Anyway, the, the, no, no, no. win the games. Dang it. Okay, I'm done You now. play to win the game. You do play to win the game. That's true and not give up half-court threes with four seconds left on the road, and then lose in overtime. Just a thought. Yeah. Just a thought. I have lots more thoughts about the Super Bowl, too, but I'm just going to let Kyle talk for a while because I know he's going to want to talk. So just, just go for it, Kyle, and I'll sit here and shut up unless you say something stupid, and then I'll talk more if there's anything I want to say that you didn't cover. Just don't say something stupid because then you're going to get interrupted. Well, so... As, as all of our listeners are probably well aware of, um, especially if you listened to our episode last week uh, with our Super Bowl preview, the Super Bowl did happen on February 2nd. So by the time this episode drops, that would have been two days ago. Uh, and 
it was a great game. Uh, two teams obviously squaring up, trying to win the game. They played to win the game, but obviously one team came out on top, and that was my Kansas City Chiefs. Actually, I don't own them, but the team that I cheer for. Wait, you're not a member of the Hunt family? I'm not, unfortunately. Well, that would be really cool, though, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, 23 years in the making, uh, at least for me, uh, waiting to see this moment, but 50 years uh, since the Chiefs have been able to uh, bring a championship home to Kansas City. Uh, and at that time, it was they were still playing in the AFL, uh, and it wasn't the NFL. Um, and that was when Lamar Hunt uh, was the uh, coach for that team. Yeah, you beat um, the Vikings. But the Vikings didn't care about that game because the AFL was a joke. So NFL teams just consistently just didn't care about the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's true. But there was a lot of uh, care to this game, obviously. Uh, a lot of Chiefs players said that uh, it kind of felt like a home game. So Arrowhead and or the Arrowhead faithful and Chiefs fans really showed up down in Miami. But it's just the it was the same uh, like record on repeat again in this game. The Chiefs come back from a double digit deficit and win the game. They were the first team to win a Super Bowl by uh, after trailing by at least 10 points in every game uh, during the same postseason. Uh, if you remember in the uh, divisional round, they were down 24 to nothing versus the Texans. AFC Championship game, 17 to seven versus the Titans. And then uh, through the entire third quarter uh, in the Super Bowl, down 20 to 10 to the 49ers, just going on uh, impressive runs of unanswered points in the Super Bowl. Obviously, it was a 20, uh, 21 to nothing unanswered run in the fourth quarter. But it was really spurred by the Chiefs' defense stepping up when they were needed most. Uh, and that was not the case last year. Uh, it and it was a broken. Re- I was a broken record at the beginning of the season talking about how this defense was not a championship caliber defense. But it's just very impressive how they improved throughout the entire season. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo it gets his third uh, Super Bowl championship, uh, two with the Giants, now one with the Chiefs. Um, he just did an impressive job with this unit, with bringing in players like Tyron Matthew, uh, Frank Clark. Uh, the play of Chris Jones, everybody healthy, uh, which was a big thing. Both teams were 100% healthy for this game, minus players that had already been put on IR uh, at the beginning of the season, but no injuries coming into the game. Um, But really, the Chiefs' defense stepped up. The 49ers' fourth-quarter offensive series went as such. uh, Five plays, 17 yards, punt. Three plays, five yards, punt. Seven plays, 27 yards, huge turnover on downs forced by the Chiefs. And then on the their uh, final drive, which sealed the game, two plays, zero yards, and an interception. Uh, both quarterbacks in the game had two interceptions. Uh, I said one of the keys to the keys to victory for the Chiefs was make Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball, and he will and hopefully get interceptions. And that was the case. Jimmy G in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, rather under pressure. Uh, intense situation. He was only three of 11, 36 yards in an interception. And he also uh, had that fourth down sack, which resulted in that turnover on downs. 
But the Chiefs stepped up and got the ball back to 15. Patrick Mahomes just showed uh, resiliency um, through this entire game. Probably it through the first three quarters, uh, some might say was the worst game by far of his NFL career. I would tend to agree with that. He didn't look phenomenal. Uh, he wasn't but, good early, but I don't know if Kuya might be strong. I'm sure he's had worse games than that. He, in my memory, he's only had one worse game stat-wise than that in his career. But it's been a long time since he's thrown two interceptions in a game. Uh, but he finished his final stat line 26 of 42, 286 yards, two passing touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, and he also had a rushing touchdown to go along with that. Do, do um, you remember when the Cyclones beat him by six touchdowns in Ames? Yeah, and uh, Wide Right and Natty Light keeps posting about that, and now Texas Texas Tech's Barstool is posting that it's disturbing how many times they keep uh, bringing it up. <laughs> hey, it's not often a school like Iowa State can say, we beat a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and badly. It's true. I remember but, that game. It was all but because it's of Julie Hagen. It's not often when a uh, current Super Bowl winning quarterback has a 16 and what was it 16 and 21 career record in college. Uh, so that's also a different stat that I saw today. But another great player in this game who played phenomenally in his uh, in the stadium of the team that drafted him. Sorry, Miami Dolphins, you lost a Super Bowl winning running back. Uh, Damian Williams had 17 ru- or carries for 104 yards, two total touchdowns, one on the ground, uh, one through the air. Uh, but with Patrick Mahomes play and Damian Williams play, believe it or not, uh, someone was actually better uh, than them in the postseason. Mitchell Schwartz, the offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, he only allowed two hurries the entire postseason uh, in 100 offensive snaps. He was the highest graded uh, player by uh, PPF in the playoffs, uh, just ahead of Patrick Mahomes. So I, it's, it, I haven't been able to stop smiling all day. It feels great. Uh, the Super Bowl parade is on Wednesday in Kansas City. I'll be watching it. I'm not traveling home for it, unfortunately. I have to work. But it, it was great to see this team get a win for Andy Reid, uh, who has been so close, but yet so far, um, many, many times um, in his career. And as Travis Kelsey has said it best, you got to fight for your right to Lombardi. That was like the worst combination of like singing and chanting and talking. And that was either sing well, it the last, or the say last it. Time, the last time I got super... Uh, excited about something, you guys muted me, so... No, I muted you because know, you were biased, not because you were excited. I didn't, I didn't know if that would happen again. I only mute you when you're obnoxiously biased, not obnoxiously excited. Sports is fun because people get obnoxiously excited. Sports get stupid when people get obnoxiously biased. Shout out to Skip Bayless because he's literally the most biased person in the no, world. I was say, I'm, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to mute him. He deserves to be muted. Skip Bayless needs to be just needs to just get kicked off of air. Did you then that Tyron Matthew tweet that clapback that I posted? Hope all you saw that. Oh, see, 
if you can't tell who controls the 8311 cast Instagram account, you should know by the type of stuff that gets posted on there who controls that Instagram account. I didn't – okay, I honestly, to be fair, I haven't posted much, like, Chief stuff on there. I mean, until this last week. I just – no, it was just that one thing about no, Tyron post, Matthew. Well, you put some stuff on the, sto- uh, on the story, too, about it. No, I didn't, actually. So – I'm pretty sure you did. Sorry, Mike. Check your facts. No, I'm I'm definitely right here. I know I'm uh, right, but I can't. It was on my personal story. I get them confused. I think of eighty three eleven cast in your personal story is the same thing. Because uh, I know you. They're not the same thing. The, the same last, thing. other than that uh, clapback from Tyron Matthew on the eighty three eleven cast, the previous posts were Kobe Bryant and uh, the national, the NCAA national championship game. Yeah, I remember you did post about the national championship game. So, you wrote something else down. Do you want to talk about that part? Yeah, so what I want to talk about is, so, what did this game tell us about the rest of the NFL, or the future of the NFL, or what it takes to win in the NFL? I don't know how best to phrase it. But basically what I'm going for is, so let's look at this. Right? So if you're the San Francisco 49ers or you're a team like the San Francisco 49ers, this is one of the better to best defenses of all t- of at least in recent memory, right? One of the best yeah. defenses in recent memory. One of the better offensive lines with a great running game. Maybe the one of the best defensive lines at least in recent memory. Yep. And you still end up losing in the Super Bowl, right? Because you didn't have a big play quarterback who could make a play when he needed to in crunch time. You talked earlier about all his numbers right in the fourth quarter and how those drives went, right? So I, I've, I've always maintained there are three types of teams who, um, who, get, uh, who win, right? There are three, or three types of quarterbacks on winning Super Bowl winning teams in the NFL. There's all-time great quarterbacks. They win Super Bowls. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Right. There are quarterbacks who are really good, who take hometown discounts to stay in their town or Tom stay Brady. with their team. I think Philip Rivers. Right. He hasn't won a Super Bowl, but yeah, that's but he sort has, of that's the only reason why I left him out because he hasn't. It's that type. It's that type of quarterback. Yeah. Or quarterbacks on rookie contracts. Patrick right. Rose. There are three types of. Right, those are the only three types of quarterbacks. Well, Pat Mahomes is probably going to be end up being one of the generational greats as well. But anyway, but right, but think about it. Like Jared Goff last year, right? Rookie quarterback, right? Think about it when right. Those are the ones that win it. Why? Because the NFL is a salary cap league, right? And so when you put a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, like Kirk Cousins, like Matt Ryan, around, right? That are not great quarterbacks. They're good quarterbacks. They're all very good quarterbacks, but not great quarterbacks. You can't put enough pieces around them to make the team good enough to win a Super Bowl in a salary cap league. That's yeah. the biggest thing, right? So well, that's why... So can I can I just mention one thing real quick? I saw this stat this week that you bring up the salary cap. So the Chiefs, I believe, 
if I remember this stat correctly, they had one of the third lowest salary cap hits uh, this season, and the 49ers was the highest, had the highest salary cap hit. What do you mean by salary cap hit? Like the total, like the, I don't know what the stat was. It was, it was about like the total amount of money spent, like to build their roster. I mean, I mean, you can talk about that if you want, but I don't think that's matters. I mean, the Chiefs' adjusted salary cap for this last year was two hundred and twenty-two million, and San Francisco's was two hundred and ten. Okay, so I don't know what stat that I saw, but well, maybe that's for twenty twenty. I can't tell what this website is trying to tell me, but anyway. But, but I mean, you're you right. At, once you, you once you pay a ton of money for a quarterback, like you see, you saw that in Aaron Rodgers this year. Aaron Rodgers is making a ton of money on his contract. They finally brought in some pieces on the defense, but he had no weapons besides Aaron Jones and and, uh, and Devontae yeah, Adams. Yeah. And if you can if you can cover those two players like the 49ers did twice, then then it's hard like it's hard to win. Whereas with the Chiefs, you literally have so many weapons and so many different types of plays that they run. I don't know if you saw that one like that play close to the goal line where that they boy did, band spin. Yeah, the boy band, the, the boy, boy band, band spin. spin. Who do they like, think they it, are? The Titans. It, well, it was a throwback to the, the Titans, not the Tennessee Titans. They they interviewed Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and uh, he did it to pay homage to the 1940 Rose Bowl uh, when they did that uh, same they did that uh, same style of uh, pre snap movement. But they ran it like a total of twenty ga- times in the same game, so he was doing it to pay homage to that. Uh, but it's just like that. It who like who gets the ball? Who do you cover? And on Patrick Mahomes' touchdown run, how late he kept the ball uh, before there's, there's he ended nothing, up taking it. Right, there's nothing you can do if you're the the cornerback on that. Well, Pat, no, he, Pat either way, right? either way, either either person was gonna score, but. Like, I'm just saying there's so many weapons. There's so many options. Sammy Watkins, like, McCole Hardman, uh, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. But they're all kind of on uh, lower-end salaries besides Sammy Watkins and uh, Tyree Kill. It's just the Mm -hmm. amount you – basically, the formula for the NFL is you have to be absolutely fantastic as a quarterback with clutch genes in the fourth quarter – or you need to have a ton of weapons. Exactly. However, you're going to make that work. Exactly. Exactly. But you can't spend all your money on the offense because you have to have a defense. Like the Chiefs mm-hmm. wouldn't be here unless they spent some of that money on their defense this year with Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark. Exactly. You, you, you can't pay a quarterback who's not a top five to eight quarter, top five, top eight quarterback in the NFL. If they're not that good, you can't be paying them that much money. That's it's that's, just the, just the way it is in the NFL. That's why I've been somewhat skeptical of Jimmy Garoppolo. People might hate me for that take on mm-hmm. that, but he's not. Yeah, twenty million is that was his cap hit this year. That's a lot for a quarterback. He's, I mean, he's not bad, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes, yeah. which we just saw. He's not. He's not Tom Brady. 
either. Especially since that cap hit goes up to 26.6 next year. Yeah. That's big. Especially when they're going to try to be restructuring George Kittle's contract. So, I mean, not case. restructuring. He's a free agent. Uh, not I know, restructuring. Not a free I meant agent, to no. extend Yeah, him. extend George Kittle, yeah. He's got one year left, it looks like. But, yeah, he's worth a lot more than they're paying. I mean, next year he's set to make $735,000, so they might have to extend him. And, yeah, they got a lot of work to do. Anyway, now you know you need a, either a rookie or either a quarterback on his rookie deal or an all-time great quarterback. Mediocre, expensive quarterbacks don't win championships. Anyway, Kyle, you want to talk about tennis, I was told? We used yeah, to talk about so, tennis more than we did before. You can talk about some tennis. So. Yeah, the last time I talked about tennis was obviously uh, Wimbledon and uh, the French Open, but that was that was this past summer. Uh, since it's the beginning of the new year, uh, they always start the Australian Open, the tournament down under for two weeks. Uh, so I'm just going to give a recap of the tournament. Basically... Uh, Novak Djokovic, the num- world number two uh, player who will now become the world number one after his victory in Australia, uh, faced off against the number five in the world, Dominique Thiem. Uh, Djokovic, on his way to the finals, knocked off Roger Federer, uh, who is number three in the world, and Team on his way, uh, knocked off the top seed, Rafa Nadal, um, out of the tournament. So I lost... Uh, my two favorite tennis players uh, in the semifinals, but still loved Novak Djokovic. And as I just previously alluded to, uh, Novak Djokovic did get his 17th Grand Slam title. So if you are uh, unfamiliar, unaware, Grand Slam title is one of the four major ones, the Australian Open, U.S. Open, French Open, and Wimbledon. Uh, so he's won 17 times now. He is 8-0. and a perfect 8-0 in Australian Open Finals. Uh, this was a thrilling five-set match that I woke up at 4.30 in the morning to watch uh, as uh, Novak Djokovic uh, took the first set um, of the Australian Open uh, and then dropped the uh, following two, but then came back with the resurgence and won the fourth and the fifth set to take the victory and take the crown. Uh, There were a lot of emotions in Australia, a lot of dedication towards the uh, Australian wildfires that had been uh, raging on um, that are uh, mainly under control now. But uh, this game had a lot, had some drama in it, and I will get into that uh, in the next segment. Uh, part of it, but Novak Djokovic had a heated exchange with the chair umpire, which was uh, very interesting to watch as he was just laying into him. Uh, but overall, a great tournament. Love watching some tennis, uh, and that was a quick rundown. But now Novak Djokovic has, as I alluded to earlier, 17 Grand Slam titles, is just two behind Rafa Nadal at 19 and three behind Roger Federer's 20. So those three have been the pinnacle of tennis for the past like two, two and a half decades, really, um, with those three being the ones to win the majority of uh, all those Grand Slam tournaments. So watching watching a lot of history uh, in tennis right now between those three players and how great they are 
uh, at their sport and their profession. So, yeah, they are fun to watch. I kind of wish I would have got up to watch that game, but then I, I really glad I didn't. It was a fantastic match. Yeah, I heard it was really good, but I'm, I would I, like I need you, my sleep. I would like you to expand on um, um, Djokovic being a whiny little tennis player, um, and explain why he was getting heated with the chair umpire during that whole thing. Yeah, so in this uh, edition of, or installation of Mike's Stupid Rules, I am... Whoa, that was one of the best transitions we've ever had. Okay, I just derailed it. Go ahead and keep talking. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, So in this installment of Mike's Stupid Rules, which Kyle is taking over this week, uh, I will bring to you uh, something that I probably should have... Um, talked to you or informed you all about previously, it is the serve clock in tennis. Uh, so if you are unfamiliar with that, it's it's basically like a play clock in football or a shot clock in basketball. Uh, that's the closest thing you can relate it to. It's trying to speed up the game uh, of tennis. It's always kind of really been there in the background, an unwritten rule, but it was up to umpire discretion of when they can enforce it. Basically what it is, every time uh, after the uh, point, Uh, has occurred there is a 30 second uh, serve clock that happens um, and in between uh, games it is a one and a half minute uh, serve clock and then in between sets it is a two minute serve clock so what happens is the clock runs if it reaches zero the umpire uh, calls a warning which it could be people some people call it a foul Uh, and basically the warning is you, you hit zero, you need to serve faster. If it happens again, the player who is serving will lose their first serve of that point. Uh, so if you are unfamiliar, each player, each uh, tennis player gets two serves uh, in each point. Um, so a first serve and a second serve. Uh, so they lose their first, their first serve, which generally they serve harder. So then the second serve is a much softer uh, kind of get the ball in play. But why Novak Djokovic was upset is because uh, what's kind of been unwritten is once the player starts their motion to serve the ball, uh, the umpire doesn't generally call a warning uh, when the clock hits zero. So Novak Djokovic believed that uh, both times that it happened, he was in the motion to start his serve. Uh, So he was voicing his frustrations very sarcastically and uh, saying that the ump was going to make a name for himself for doing this. and that he's the best ump in the world for calling these these plays. They caught it all on camera live on ESPN. It was great. It was great uh, comedy to watch. But he was he was thinking that he had started his motion and that the warning shouldn't have been called. And then subsequently he lost a first serve uh, after the second time that it happened. And uh, the announcers believed he did that intentionally uh, just to show show up the umpire a little bit. So. That's the serve clock in tennis. So now you are all aware. Something you, you um, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but when he, Djokovic is having his exchange with the, the chair ump, he actually went up and tapped him on the foot. Yeah. Twice. Which he, you're not he, allowed to do. So he's been fined 20,000 US dollars for, or whatever the equivalent is, 
which is 20,000. 20, he just made like $3 million from the tournament, so I think he can spare twenty grand. Oh, I totally agree. But yeah, two taps on the foot and $10,000 a piece for that. Yeah, it's uh, in the I think is Are you going to find me that much if I tap on your player. foot? No, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I would like to because then I'd be rich or at least have some money. Not necessarily rich, but... That, that wouldn't make you rich, I don't think. Yeah, I know. I, I realize you, that. You do live in Iowa. The cost of living is lower in Iowa than in Minnesota. Is it really? Oh, yes. I don't know if the cost of living in Iowa is cheaper than in Serbia, though. That's up for debate. I'm sure Serbia is much lower. Like, on, on average. I would assume the cost. Oh. It, it doesn't matter. This is a sports oh, podcast. Oh yes, the co- the cost of living is significantly lower in Des Moines than Minneapolis. Is it really? Except everything except healthcare. Huh. But Interesting. Housing is nine almost double in Minneapolis versus Des Moines. Food is slightly more. Utilities ten percent more. Transportation forty five percent more. Anyway, what I was getting at was that <laughs> I feel like Djokovic was was being a, a whiny little tennis player, and he was that's all. Yeah, like that's completely unwarranted. Just don't do it. Like, is is it that hard? Come on, man. Anyway, that, that's all that I had to say on that. That was it. And okay, one more, fine, what, I guess one more point that I like to add. Um, they. Uh, have speculated that in that actually implementing the serve clock in the Australian Open uh, took out anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes on average of uh, court time for the players, which is significant when you're playing for four hours, which is what that uh, Australian Open final lasted. So, interesting. It's a significant like- amount of time. So are you in favor of the surf clock? I am. I am. Uh, the only so, person so who t- really t- wasn't in favor no, of no, it no, was... You're not supposed to talk about it. This is supposed to be two questions. It's supposed to be quick. You're running out of time. You are in favor of the surf clock. So are you in favor of a pitch clock in baseball? Yes. Okay, good. Because if you would have given two separate answers, I would have ridiculed you. Okay, that was all. I'm in favor of a pitch clock, but not uh, robot umpires. Yeah, we talked about that last week. If you didn't listen to our conversation about robot umpires last week, you should go do that because it was actually a pretty interesting discussion, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later. But I think we need to wrap up Kyle's Mike's Stupid Rules segment because we have a long next segment. Yeah, we got to start the beginning of the end here. And uh, what that means is that we're going to be going down our accountability session. I don't know which one of you two wants to do it, but me, feel me, free. It's my job. It's my job. Okay. Me, me, okay. Me. Go ahead. Yeah, we got. What did I say last week? I said we probably have about ten predictions off the board, and we got about ten predictions off the board. It's like I'm psychic. Um, first prediction. Or you can just the, count. I mean, yeah, that too. First prediction to come off the board was one from Kyle way, way, way back a long time ago, and he said Pat Mahomes would be the NFL MVP this year. Um, it was announced on Saturday what we all knew was going to be announced, and that's Lamar Jackson was the NFL MVP. So that guy gets a nah. Nah, nah. I should have said Super Bowl MVP, <laughs> but I would have jinxed it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, we, need to, we really need to get like a buzzer sounder that we can put in here. That would be so much better. Just a thought. Okay. Anyway, um, Josh predicted that 
San Francisco would win the Super Bowl, and this was a while ago. This was back one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh, ten. Ten weeks ago, he predicted that. So quite a long time ago. Or so ten predictions for ago. Close. Not, not necessarily like ten weeks, because I think he had double predictions in a couple weeks. He might have about about eight to ten weeks ago. Anyway, so he got close for being that far away. Right. But anyway, still a nah. nah. Uh, Kyle predicted before the AFC Championship game that the Chiefs' defense or special teams would get a touchdown before the end of the year. That did not happen. Nah. Nah. Kyle predicted that Pat Mahomes would get four TDs in the Super Bowl. He only threw for two. He ran for one. I didn't know if you said throw or get. Either way, he only got to three. So you still get a... Yeah. Nah. 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 It was get. It was four total. Well, he only got three, so... I know. I predicted that Pat Mahomes would be sacked three times in the Super Bowl. He was sacked four or five times officially. Four I times. didn't count for sure, but it was more than three. It was so, four. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Wyatt had a weird prediction that um, uh, Andy Reid would wear a red Hawaiian shirt. On Why do I have so much trouble saying red Hawaiian shirt? You spelled it as Hawaiian-y. Well, yes. Yeah, so I realize I misspelled it on the thing. I can't spell Hawaii. Who knows how to spell Hawaii? Who puts two eyes at the end of a word? Anyway, Andy Reid did not wear a red Hawaiian shirt on the field. He did wear it for media day. But, but anyway, for that, you get a... Josh predicted a couple weeks ago after the championship games that the Niners would have a two-score lead and still lose. And they did. They were up by 10 at one point, and they, they lost. So that's correct. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Last week, Kyle predicted that Kansas City's defense would have two interceptions. That's correct. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Last week, I predicted that San Francisco would run for 200 or more yards. They did not. Nah. And Wyatt predicted that the Super Bowl would be decided by four or less points, which it almost was until Casey scored that late touchdown. Damian so Williams. So you get a nah. Yeah, he yeah. should have stopped on the one and run the clock he out. He really should have. I know. Like, actually, I was Chiefs, mad. the chances of the Chiefs winning that game went down when he yeah. scored that touchdown versus... Yep. If he would have just as fallen he, as soon as he got at the first down. As yep. he was running for it, everyone at the watch party that I was at can attest that I was screaming, just slide, just slide, go down. But Neil the one. Like, come on, man. I was mad. I was like, there was my prediction. Anyway. Speaking of predictions, mm, I think we have some more to put up on the board. Yeah, we do. We do. And I'm not a big fan of mine, but I had to come up with something because it was getting really close. So... <laughs> I, I'm predicting that Tom Brady will not re-sign with New England. This Did you not watch the Super Bowl? He needs to retire. I saw that commercial. And I was like, "Get out of here!" Just he go. said he's coming. He said he's not going anyway. I know. He's in a commercial. He's a hypocrite now if he doesn't go back. That man should have retired last year. He's just saying that to drive up the brand of TB12 and his price. Yeah, he's maybe. being a businessman. Maybe. Um. But double, triple. I'd like at uh, least. I don't know. I, would, I was going to say I'd, I'd like at least a double for, for that. What? What? I I wouldn't be opposed to a triple. Kyle wanted a double, so we're just going to give him a double. Okay. Fine. You shouldn't have said anything, Kyle. 
you shouldn't comment on your own prediction except complaining if we go too low. That was your no, mistake. I wanted a grand slam. If you wouldn't have said anything, you were probably going to get a triple out of that. So, bummer for you. Rip, what do you got, Mike? I am predicting, I am giving you a little weekly turtle tab preview here. <laughs> I am predicting bad news for baseball savior Willens Astadio. I am predicting that he will not make the Twins 26-man roster out of spring training this year. I mean, probably not. Since they signed Josh Donaldson, single. Single? Okay, that's fine. That's fine with me. I didn't expect right. anything more than that. So. Yeah. So, I am going to say that the XFL is going to run a complete season, including the postseason, which is uh, 12 weeks, um, a 10-week season, two-week postseason. We'll see. This is kind of like last year's or two years ago with the AAF and how they never even, you know, completed a season. So that's my prediction. Mm. Well, Vince McMahon does have a lot more money than whatever schnub founded the AAF. Whatever schmuck. Schnub. I like schmuck. Schlemiel. Um, single, double? single or double? Kyle? Double? Okay. I don't know. I feel like it's 50-50, you know? I'm fine with a double, but I think it's probably only be a single. I'll take it double. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Dude, I'm assuming Josh he's still alive. He's still alive. He made an NBA prediction, actually, which I didn't Ooh. see coming from Josh. Way to go outside of the box here. We got predictions from four different sports leagues here this week, which is actually pretty cool. Josh predicts that the Milwaukee Bucks will win their next three games. Uh, I did this, they get I did, the Pelicans, the yep. Sixers, and the Magic. Yeah, according to ESPN's BPI, they have a 42.7% chance of winning all three of those games. Like, the combination, not each individual game, but all three of them. So that seems like single territory to me. Maybe double. I mean... Depends on how generous was, you're feeling. I was leaning towards double, but then they get their hardest game is at home. Yeah, Philadelphia is a pretty good team, but it is at home. But the Magic aren't great, and the Pelicans are not good. I mean, yeah. Single. I'm fine with a single. I mean, yeah, they're playing the sixth seed in the East, the eighth seed in the East, and, and the, the 9, 10, 11, 12, yeah, 12 seed in the West. So. Uh, it sounds like a single it is. And with that, with, I, I feel like this is the first time we've done a uh, four separate league predictions. I'm sure it's happened that make before. Sense? Uh, I'm sure it's happened with baseball, football, and hockey, maybe. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not I only named three. Do I got to go back <laughs> to the archive here? Let's see what we got. Although you can have like college out of that. so Right. I mean, well, you do the outro. I'm going to go through the archive, and we'll see what. See yeah, what it, it'll it'll take a while because I tend to trip over myself. So, with those four <laughs> predictions up on the board, <laughs> we are at the end of the write that down prediction segment, which also means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 67 
of the 8311 cast. We certainly appreciated and enjoyed having you here with us while we talk to you about all things sports directly into your beautiful ears. Thanks again for checking in. Do you have anything to say, Mike? You could maybe say episode 58. Kyle made a Iowa State men's basketball prediction. You made an Iowa State football prediction. Josh made an NFL prediction. And I made a joint prediction between Iowa State men's and Iowa State women's basketball. So you could maybe say episode 58. Uh, doesn't seem clear cut to me. Not, not, like this, not like this beautiful episode, anyway. All about those positive adjectives. Signing off for Daily 11 Cast, we have your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Rodway. And Wyatt Teeter. Again, appreciate you sticking around. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones, and one final time, go Chiefs.